Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with business executives and thought leaders about the technology, market issues, and trends impacting the world around us. I'm your host, Larry Walsh. Internet of Things is nearly an unavoidable topic. You know, after all, who doesn't want to talk about a multi trillion dollar market opportunity? IoT is literally transforming the world around us into an interconnected series of sensors and analytics engines, which is making us more managed, optimized, and you know, sometimes some will dare say smarter. You know, creating IoT products isn't easy though. The process of conceiving, designing, manufacturing, and deploying IoT products takes planning and development. Many IoT devices, particularly sensors, will remain in service for a decade or longer if undamaged, which means they require reliability and durability. And IoT devices require other considerations such as power consumption, miniaturization, and security, and I mean security from manufacturing the field operations. Again, this only complicates the development to go-to-market process. Our friends at CoreConnect, an IoT design and manufacturing startup, have come up with a unique approach to solve these problems. They have a process that takes the company's IoT concept through an expedited design, prototyping, and manufacturing series to quickly get high-quality devices into the market. And even better, it's all done in the United States, making the manufacturing process secure and economical. And when did you ever think you'd hear somebody say economical manufacturing in the U.S. again? Well, joining us to talk about CoreConnect's unique approach to IoT manufacturing is its company's CEO, Azar Bardry, and John Horn, the company's president and chief strategy officer. Gentlemen, welcome to Pod 2112. Thanks for having us, Larry. John, before we get into talking about IoT trends, let's talk about Core Connect. As some people may may not be familiar with your company, tell us about what your company is and what you do. That, and specifically, what do you do that's different? What we do that's different is we believe that things in the Internet of Things should be simple. And I've been in this space for two decades. I've been a network guy. I've been a platform guy. And now I'm part of this hardware company. I'll give a little background on that as we go. But the bottom line is, if you look at the ecosystem in IoT, there's so many connectivity choices, so many different pricing models that 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 really has come a long way in the last couple of decades. So if uh, platforms as far as you know, AI, machine learning, all the data analytics, analytics at the edge, whatever it happens to be, that has matured and come a long way. Hardware is being done the way it was done 30 years ago. It's broken. And Core Connect's fixing that by making things simple. So we're, we're all about, we'll get into the details shortly, but we're all about bringing these products to market in a very, very sensible, scalable way. And by the way, everything's made in the US of A, so you can't beat that. I, I, I want to touch on this though, John, and maybe, Asar, you can, you can also elaborate on this, is that Tell me a little bit more about the genesis of CoreConnect, though, because I, I think you you struck it on it there briefly when you said hardware is still being done the way it was thirty years ago. Is that what you're trying to solve for? Is is solving for the reinventing the way hardware is done in the IoT context, or is it just that you recognize that the real value is coming out of the analytics and the hardware is just a delivery mechanism? Well, if you can't fix the hardware and, and do the hardware, what we've done to connectivity, it's basically a three-legged stool. You've got connectivity, the software platform, UI, data analytics, whatever you want to put in that bucket. And then you've got the hardware, the sensor, the monitor, the meter, whatever it happens to be. If you cannot get the right hardware to market, you'll never get to scales that we're talking about. Everybody has been showing the hockey stick forever. It's always been two or three years away. And... The main reason is, is because all these pieces have not come together. The missing piece is hardware. Core Connect is fixing that. And I'll, I'll give you an idea. 
uh, how I came to this. And then I'll let uh, Asar talk a little bit about you know, how they started the company. But I was I was running a, a network, proprietary network uh, company, and we needed hardware. We needed hardware that was going to run on this network. And both uh, the two founders, um, Ali and Asar, they came into my office and said, we can build this for you in this time frame. It's going to cost this much money. When they walked out of my office, I was absolutely convinced they were absolutely out of their minds. No one could do what they said. I've been watching this go on forever in this industry, but they delivered it and they delivered it and they delivered it multiple products. And it was so exciting to see that these guys had cracked the code in ways that no one else ever has. And that's going to completely disrupt the hardware industry and get us to the scale we need to in the whole IoT ecosystem. And I'll let Asar go on from there. Thanks, John. Yeah, a lot of this has to do with just an understanding of how hardware is developed at larger companies. If we look at how IoT sensors have been developed, oftentimes what happens is you, you, you know, a company has an idea, um, has a concept of what they'd like to build, and they typically you know, send it off to some Asian manufacturer, right? Some high volume Asian manufacturer and say, build this thing and the widget gets built and that's it, right? It's just some simple, simple sensor, whether it's cold chain or sensing or asset tracking, whatever the case may be. Sometimes you have these small niche companies that are building, let's take asset tracking, just asset trackers. That's their specialty. That's what they do day in, day out. But that doesn't typically allow for someone coming in who needs a custom solution. That's really what we're finding is an important part of this marketplace is understanding how you develop uh, a custom need, right? Develop to a custom need. So if you have customers who want an asset tracking solution, whether they're a dime a dozen realistically, but if you want a customer that wants an asset tracking solution that lasts, you know, seven or eight years, that's waterproof, that can be run over by a car, that can, you know, be attached in a very specific way. Now you're getting into a situation where you have to be flexible in the way you develop, design and develop your products. And that's really the crux of what CoreConnect has done. They've taken the, the, the baseline apparatus of an asset tracking device and allowed it to be modified and developed in a way that it can incorporate the needs of the customer um, quickly and easily. And the end result is developing, you know, POC hardware um, sometimes as fast as four to six weeks. And that, that comes from a unique process you have in collaborating with your customers. You know, how do you approach the, you know, the, how do you do this approach of concept to production? How do you make all this happen in that time, that, that expedited time that you're describing? You, you know, we put a lot of emphasis and focus on the front end as opposed to the back end, right? We really try to understand what is it our customer wants to achieve, right? What are their business requirements What's the real ROI? We, you know, another thing that we say around here is we don't do science projects. Core kind of does not involve in science projects. We actually tend to say, and I hate to admit this, we tend to say no to our customers more than yes, because a lot of customers or some people want to do science projects. Hey, I, I got a small budget to do X, Y, and Z thing. We're not the right guys for that. We we deal with 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 entities that understand what it is they want that have a clear understanding of what the ROI is. And that's where we want to play, right? We want to provide value to our customers. So spending time in advance, learning what the customer wants, learning what the business case is, understanding their requirements clearly, um, identifying what they want to do with it, not just from a hardware standpoint, but operationally, right? How are these things going to get attached? How long would they be attached for? Are they going to be moved? Are they going to be enabled and disabled constantly? Like understanding these key concepts are critical to designing a product um, that works and provides value for your customer. 
and, and we're, we're not here to push boxes. We're not here to push. We've got these SKUs. Please buy these because that's not what the hardware piece of this industry means today. So we have no vested interest in, in, in selling a particular SKU. We want to get it right from the customer from the very first moment. Well, I, I appreciate the, the, the commitment to quality, but how do you, how do you say no to a customer? I mean, it, it sounds like, you know, particularly in companies that are just starting out, there's a, a rule of that you, you do anything for the money until you can actually make choices. How do you go through this, How do you actually say no to a customer when that customer, even if they want a science project, has taken money out the door with them? Yeah, it's, it's uh, sometimes with difficulty, Larry. <laughs> I'd be lying if I told you it's always easy to say no, but um, it's the right thing to do, not just for us, but for the customer, right? We, we want... We, we want our customers to understand that if you if you have a clear business case, you have budget, you know what you want to do, then we're there for you and we'll get done for you and it's going to get done correctly. I, we've never had a project fail before for that reason, right? We're selective because we know what we can do, what we can't do, and what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. So, yeah, there is some difficulty in having that conversation, but um, I, I believe our customers appreciate the honesty and the direct feedback. and. And that's what we pride ourselves on doing. We're, we're simple. We're simple in our approach, not just from a design standpoint, but we're simple in our approach from a business standpoint as well. And you just hit a perfect note there at the end there, and that's the business model. I mean, our business model backs up everything that Asar just said about what we believe in every day. We're not about making big chunks of money on NRE. We're making it on the back end, on the distribution, the manufacturer distribution of that product. So... Other companies, they don't care if they have to do five revisions of the of the product. They're making all their money on NRE. They're actually incented to do it wrong four times and get it right the fifth time because it works out well for them. For us, we're, we're co-investing with our partners, with our customers, and we're doing everything we can to get this to market quickly at a scale that we all win. And, and, and our business model backs that up every day. Now, not to digress here on this because it, it, this, that approach or that – that philosophy must put you in a position of being a, a, a counselor to some of these companies that come to you because the, the, the drumbeat is, is get into IOT. Now there is, and we'll talk more about what the, the market opportunity is, but it, you know, it also is causing people to act prematurely. Do you find yourself in a position where you actually have to counsel your, your would be customers and, and tell them that, Hey, you know, you're not ready for this. Yeah, it's happened more times than we can count where it's just, you know, hey, you really need to understand what your ROI is. I think that's the most important question. Just going back to the customer and saying, what's your what's your ROI? Because if, if I can't clearly articulate that internally, right, amongst amongst our stakeholders, right, our internal stakeholders, then how how are they going to be able to sell that internally to their stakeholders and get budget or be able to proceed with that project? Right. They have to be able to articulate what it is they're trying to achieve and what the business objectives are in a clear, concise manner. So, Asar, let's let's stick with this because you know, if you if they have that clear and concise objective and they know what they want to do, how is it that you translate that their concepts into reality at the speed that you do? What is this? What is the secret behind your manufacturing process? Well, a lot of it has to do with um, our design approach. We have a design philosophy that's rooted in something called functional unit blocks. So, developing you know, uh, protocol systems, whether it's like, let's say cellular or sub gigahertz RF, like LoRa, 
uh, or you know GPS systems, whatever the case may be, we typically design these blocks as almost like an internal reference design. So we have whole systems, not just down from a hardware standpoint, but a firmware standpoint, and even a layer below that to manufacturing. Uh, Core Connect is oftentimes involved in the, the final assembly manufacturing test tool uh, phase for a contract manufacturer. So when we design something, we're not just designing it for you know, the customer say, here's a file set, go take this to your contract manufacturer and best of luck to you. Um, we actually design that down to its manufacturability, the tool set that's used to actually produce that, and then working in concert with our contract manufacturers to be able to, to build that at scale. So this is all kind of coming together. It's not just, you know, one piece. You know, oftentimes you'll look at just designing efficient hardware. There are plenty of brilliant um, electrical engineers, design engineers out there, product engineers that are building great products day to day. Uh, but the, the pool of those that are actually looking at it from a design manufacturability standpoint, that gets much smaller. And that's where we find a lot of the customers have heartburn. Uh, and when, frankly, we've gotten some customers that way of just, hey, I designed something and my contract manufacturer tells me it cost me a lot more than I anticipated it to be built. Can you help me? Can you redesign? Can you rebuild? Uh, and that's a, that's a common refrain. John, there are plenty of off-the-shelf components, sensors, software, you know, devices that you know that go into IoT systems. Why are custom solutions needed? This is when we first met. Uh, I, I listened to you in fascination because if you listen to the conventional wisdom in the market, is that all everything you need is already out there in the market waiting for you? Just go build. Um, but you have a position where there's more customization that's needed today rather than just picking off what's off the shelf now. Absolutely. I mean, the, the challenge is for a company to come out and be unique and successful and competitive, they're doing something different. Well, you can't do something different with the exact same box that everybody else is using. And it's not like they need to start from scratch. One of the things that they might need is just a few features that, that finish the last you know, 10, 20% of the design and functionality of that product. And that's where the functional unit blocks is really important. And I like to call them Legos. I'm not the engineer, so I can I can picture Legos and plug and playing all these different parts in. And people will come to us and 75, 80% of the product is done. It's already designed by the way we use these functional unit blocks. And all we have to do is that last 10, 20%. That really helps with the time frame, and it helps get them exactly what they need so they can be competitive in the market. Cisco did a study, I think it was two years ago, that showed 75% of all companies in this space fail because they can't get the hardware right. And I have experienced that through my two decades in the space. The, the number one point of failure is hardware. You know, usually it's people that have a great idea, they get the software, written, they, they, they do their analytics and everything else, but they cannot find the right piece of hardware to collect that data. So I, I think customization is, is, is going to be here to stay. If we're going to have a trillion machines out there with all those zeros behind it that everybody keeps talking about, that's going to be because there are a ton of different solutions that each uniquely do their, their thing. Some, some of them are ubiquitous, but I think the vast majority of what's going on need that last 10, 20% that differentiates them and really brings the extra value. I don't disagree with you. I, I, I see the value of building custom devices or custom solutions to, you know, to both build and reinforce a unique and differentiated value proposition. But custom typically comes at a higher cost. And then you layer into this entire notion of everything manufactured in the United States, which by definition, or at least conventional wisdom says, comes at a higher cost. How do you reconcile both of those things? Because it seems as though that it's not just about 
getting it right, but getting to market. And a lot of what you're talking about seems almost impossible to most people manufacturing in the U.S. quickly and at, a, at an economic uh, at an economic level. Yeah, and a lot of it, Larry, has just to do with understanding the manufacturing process as a whole, right? I mean, theoretically, uh, a pick-and-place machine that's used commonly in, in electronic uh, manufacturing is the same cost that you buy it here, relatively speaking, or you buy it in Asia. Like the, the main cost is labor cost, right? And if you drive down um, your, your need for manual labor, that's how you achieve low cost, right? It doesn't have to be expensive to build things in the United States, and I think that's what a lot of our customers are kind of surprised about, right? If you if you look at the total cost, right, the TCO of a product, um, factoring in uh, shipping, tariffs, uh, time back and forth, delays in manufacturing or development because you have to have the conversations between engineering and manufacturing. Hey, this doesn't look right. Hey, can we change this? Hey, can we make a modification here? Does this conform? That back and forth costs time. And, and you hit it earlier, right? TTM is everything for our customers. If I can save them several months of getting to market and I can reduce their time from order to delivery, right? And I can remove all tariffs and all extraneous costs, shipping, et cetera, coming from Asia, I've given them a pretty significant advantage. When you factor all these things in, there really is not a, a significant delta between what, what it would cost to produce in this country versus what it costs in Asia. And I think people are realizing that and that's probably one of the reasons why we're having such a resurgence in manufacturing in the United States. Um, so it's understanding what that looks like and understanding how to develop and manufacture correctly so it's repeatable. So, for example, your manufacturing systems, the ones that we use for, for Core Connect, they're developed by us, all custom. So we know when we're building product A and we go to build a, a variant of that product B, as John said, 80% of that product may be there. Well, not only is 80% of the product there, but the manufacturing subsystem down below to make it easier for our contract manufacturers to do their job is already completed as well. So you've, you've shortcutted all this stuff. It's ex It can be expensive to build custom hardware if you're starting from zero all over again, right? You're rebuilding all new hardware. You're rebuilding all the mechanicals all over again. You're doing a manufacturing line, getting that set up all again. That can be a costly endeavor, but that's not the Core Connect way. And I, I can't tell you how many times going back to my earlier point that I've worked with companies that were trying to get to market and they finally got a piece of hardware that someone designed for them that does what they wanted to do. They go to the CM and all of a sudden, oh, that's not 30 bucks, that's 60 bucks. And it breaks their whole model. So people need to understand really what the cost is going in up front. We're very good at bringing that in right up front and helping them understand what's the budget, what makes it work, what's the financial model. And in your entry into this question saying everybody else would say it's impossible, let's just keep it that way. As long as everybody else says it's impossible, <laughs> you to take share. So. Yeah, and, and realistically, I would hope that others would eventually join us, right? Like as much as we would like to maintain that, that competitive advantage that we've had and enjoyed so far, uh, it, it's time for people to start realizing that, you know, U.S. manufacturing is here, it's here to stay. Um, there is high quality um, work being done here. There's no reason to shy away from it. You need to embrace it as opposed to trying to find a way to, you know, ship work to, to Mexico or to, to China, right? There, in my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that there is really no Core Connect product. It is you are designing and building product on behalf of other companies, which then take it downstream even further through channels to get to them, to get to the ultimately to their customers. Here, let me let me just say this. There isn't a list in a library of SKUs. 
but we do have a product. Yeah. And, well, and, I mean, you, you are your product. That is what I'm exactly. saying. Right. <laughs> right. But what I mean is, is that I'm not going to go buy there's there's, you know, I'm not going to go to, you know, to a distributor and find a core connect SKU sitting on the shelf. Well, yes and no. We, we did announce a, an a agreement that we have with Ingram, and uh, we're doing a lot of work with them, both in the U.S. And, and ultimately globally. And we will have multiple SKUs that will make it through the Ingram distribution system, but we'll also be doing an enormous amount of custom work for them as well. Yes. So a little bit of both. So non-custom non non-custom products, just a, a handful to start of non-custom products that we find have a great demand for um, will be sold through Ingram Micro exclusively. Well, so that's the question: Is that how are you attracting customers? How are you getting how are you getting these would be IoT pioneers to come find you to design and manufacture uh, your hardware uh, hardware on their behalf? And then, you know, obviously Ingram obviously is one of your routes to market. How do you then plan on taking more of your product or more of your services out to market? Well, I mean, the interesting thing is, is like I said, that the hardware's broken. Everybody knows it's broken. Everybody's been trying to solve this and figure out how to fix it for a long time. And so, as Asar said, we turn away business. People are coming to us left and right because the word gets out pretty quickly when someone finds out in a few weeks you can go soup to nuts on a product and get it to work right the first time and it came in under budget. No one does that ever. And, and Core Connect does it every time. And so that reputation is expanding very, very quickly. Uh, when we started our relationship with Ingram, they had a, a pent up demand of, of, of a half a dozen products that people were trying to solve for. And, and literally in a week's worth of meetings, we were coming up with product designs to, to solve that. And some of these guys have been working on these problems for two years. So, you know, there, there, there's a lot of value in what we do that, that is so different. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the, you know, you're delivering value, understandably, but Let's talk about the, the the market you're steering into, and no matter who you talk to, it's this is you know when we talk about the Internet of Things, it's it's a big number. Uh, everybody's number is different, um, it, so it, but it always tends to be a number with nine zeros in it. Um, what do you make of the market opportunity that you're trying to support and and build into? Where do you think this is all going, and where is it going to take Core Connects? I don't think you can measure it. I mean, here's the bottom line. People have been trying to measure it and, and throw all sorts of numbers out there for quite a long time. And multiple analyst reports, Fortune 50 companies out there doing what they're saying is this is the, the total opportunity. I don't think anybody has a clue what the opportunity is. Every time we come up with a new design or a new product and we show it to people, um, with like some of the flexible trackers that we've come out with, people can instantly, they come up with 10 other things that no one would have ever imagined you would use these products for. So what's happening is as this hockey stick comes and the growth accelerates, it doesn't accelerate because now we've connected every car. It accelerates because we've come up with 50 other things to connect and use in a particular way that can change an industry forever that no one thought of 30 days ago. So I, I really don't see how anybody measures it. All I know is we want a piece of that, and I believe we're going to get a good-sized piece of it because of the value we bring. Yeah, and I think that's the really that's the exciting part for us, right? We, we do this because we we love doing this, and I think everyone in the industry is seeing how you know the, these different uh, projects are evolving, products, ideas, and we couldn't have imagined some of the stuff that comes to us, right? It just it just 
evolves this way. You couldn't so, make it up. <laughs> yeah. So we, it, for us, that's exciting, right? It's exciting to be part of an industry that's growing so rapidly and there's so much change happening, but at the same time, we want to, you know, we, we want to leave a mark and we want people to understand that there's a better way to do things. Right? All right. You know, I, I was going to end it there, but I have to ask, what is the most surprising and viable idea that's been brought to you so far? That we can share? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of the craziest stuff is stuff that we're, we're in pilot with right now that there's no way we can share. Okay. Um, but I can tell you, I've been in this space, like I said, for quite a while. And I have been shocked year over year, every year with what people come up with. There really is no end to what people can, uh, can, can, can come up with and, and the problems they're trying to solve for. Uh, you know, some of it's pretty basic. You know, you get into the asset tracking and automotive and agriculture and certain things. But there are, there are one-offs out there that, that you might make a million devices that will go globally into an industry, change that industry forever, that are just bizarre. So maybe we could do this podcast again in a few more months. And, and we can answer that with some uh, new deployments that will be public then. Uh, <laughs> but, but we have to be careful what we share right now. Yeah, we, 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 can, we can tell you that some of the more surprising ones that we're seeing in the industry, um, just from an ROI standpoint, that I don't think is probably given enough um, emphasis and focus on has been in the ag space. Absolutely. That, that has been such a, a huge underserved market. And a lot of it hasn't, just, hasn't been viable because of network connectivity, device cost, and battery life, right? Those have been the three major issues that have kept um, the ag space kind of locked off from, from technical evolution in the last few years. But those barriers now, as John said earlier, if you look at the, the stool, if you will, this, these, these barriers have been overcome now. And you do have near ubiquitous network connectivity, especially now with new evolving standards like CAD-M and narrowband. And you do have devices that are, are, are down to a point where they don't consume battery that you need to replace on a monthly basis. But now you're in the multi-year basis. So ag has been, I think, I just say from a high level category, the surprising point and continues to, to have a strong showing. Um, things like tank level monitoring, grain level, you know, in the silos, um, moisture level of the soil. Um, these are, we get these requests all the time and they have a huge, a huge um, ROI behind them makes makes all the sense in the world to to go and uh, to work on these things. Well, you know, there you have it, folks. The reason why they're forcing Impossible Burgers on you is because of these guys. So, <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know, if you're, you will take my bacon away from me and with through my cold, you know, my cold dead hands. Uh, Asar, John, thanks for joining us. It was really great, really great having you on. Thanks, Larry. Our pleasure. Thanks, Larry. That's all the time we have for this edition of Pod 2112. I want to thank our guests, Asar Badri and John Horn of CoreConnect, for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group. 2112 is a leading provider of research, strategy development, and enablement services for B2B technology and manufacturing companies around the world. For more information about how 2112 can help your business, visit our website at the2112group.com. Also, check out Channelnomics, 2112's news and analyst site that provides the best insights into business practices and market trends. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to Pod 2112. You don't want to miss a single conversation with the executives and thought leaders shaping the world around us. You can subscribe to Pod 2112 on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again for listening to Pod 2112. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh. 